Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Uddleston. And today, we're both very excited to be talking to you about a new release, Paul Giamatti vehicle, The Holdovers. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. You is already one big detention. Son of a... Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I heard you got stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. Oh. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention! Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer My father's to take you dead. You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? So you stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep in the Now, most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past, it is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. <laughs> I'd like to propose a toast to my two unlikely companions. Are you trying to lift down my shirt? No. <laughs> Yes. You're gonna get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross the Rubicon. The Holdovers. Do you have a synopsis for it, Mr. Hudson? I do. Um, shoot. I did. I clicked out of it. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. So this is from Rotten Tomatoes. From acclaimed director Alexander Payne, The Holdovers follows a curmudgeonly instructor, Paul Giamatti, at a New England prep school who is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker played by newcomer Dominic Sessa, and with the school's head cook who has just lost a son in Vietnam. And she is divine joy randolph and this was a 2023 film and you can rent it i guess but it also is if you have peacock you can watch it on peacock which i think they released it at the same time it was in theaters or, or shortly thereafter so Something so like that. this is first time watch for both of us because it's brand new what did you think um i thought it was great i enjoyed it thoroughly one of the things i liked the most about it was um beyond this being a period piece it's set in the 70s um it, it, they really went out of their way to use um camera techniques of the time color scheme of the time um they the the Miramax logo and the Focus Features logo they've got uh they've sort of made 70s versions of that I think there's even a something I read online where there's sort of the copyright date is set like it's in the 70s. So they've really gone all the way in terms of trying to make this look like a film shot in the 70s. Um, and I really dug that. I think even down to the length of the shot, the overall pacing of the movie, um, you know, so I think that the that the as a film nerd, I love all those things. As as an audience member who has been 
you know, accust become accustomed to faster shots and a quicker pace. It did feel slow. I think from the trailer, I felt like, oh, this is going to be a kind of a wry coming of age dramedy where there's going to be some bittersweet, but there's going to be some laughs a la uh, Sideways, you know, which had its pathos, and it, but it certainly had its its humor, and there was a dash of the outrageous to it. This one felt much more like a drama to me. Um, it's a very sad movie. Uh, it's about people who, you know, fundamentally feel really alone in their life for one read loss or just lifelong um, hard knocks, I guess. Um, you know, and so so I was a little surprised by the tone. There's moments of levity in it, but they are outweighed by the bigger picture, which is this is really people trying to come to terms with their unhappiness, <laughs> you know, whether that's depression or grief or, or whatever form it takes. Um, but the performances are great. And um, obviously it's able filmmaking. And I thought that it didn't shy away from getting into complex issues, which I liked. And yeah, I don't really have any criticisms of it beyond while the pacing is true to the 70s filmmaking, you know, uh, point, uh, it did make it feel like it dragged in places um, as well. What did you think? Well, I'm going to have to say I couldn't disagree more. I hated this movie. Did no, you really? No, no. I was going to say. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, uh, so I think I sent that to you. Probably there was a TikTok uh, about where this guy kind of examined, and I don't, I don't know what the TikTok channel is, is called, but what you talked about with the 70s filmmaking with the – you know, they do the pans and certain zooms and things like that and, and cross fades that are that are have kind of gone out of style. And they were saying that Alexander Payne was it, it, that, you know, so many times with period pieces, they really beat you over the head with this is a period piece. And here's the costumes and everything. And like right. they said, there were a lot of and we were we weren't. So this movie takes place in 1970 and I think 1971, maybe it crosses right. over. Into. Like just to dial in on that for a second, like everything, like every hairstyle is one of the more outrageous hairstyles of the period. Like every car is an iconic car of the period, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Every yeah. outfit looks like a Halloween costume from the period. Right. And we were, you know, the two of us were not alive in 1970, but we were alive in the 1970s. And I mean, I, I don't know about you. I don't really remember much about being alive in the, in the 1970s because we were children. But, you know, so much of what we know about that would be just looking at old pictures or, of course, watching tons and tons of 70s movies. Sure, and like movies they said, actually made in the 70s. Sure. Yeah. And like they, they said in this TikTok, you know, there was, and it's even, it's the same thing. We've talked about this before when you watch an eighties movie. And again, we were kids in the eighties, but you know, you'll see people in, in the eighties movies and everybody's dressed in neon and they have crazy. And it was like, I, we didn't dress. I didn't know anybody who dressed like that. So the same thing kind of with seventies movies is it's like, was everybody walking around with like huge bell bottoms and great big hair. There would have been just like a lot of, regular people like in this movie so this is you know almost the closest thing that i think you're going to see to a time capsule where other than the fact that we know these are you know current actors if if it was filled with people that you'd never seen before and somebody just said ah oh, this is just have you ever heard of this movie the the holdovers that came out in 1970 and he's like okay i mean it seems that authentic um and they, we talk so much on this show, I think, you know, because we watch a lot of genre movies, um, which this is not. We talk, you know, we lament the poor writing in movies so much of the time now. And this movie is so well written uh, in terms of you have, you know, Paul Giamatti's character is, starts out as someone 
maybe unlikable. The, the students don't like him. The faculty doesn't particularly, although there are people, you know, there are characters in the movie who, who like him, but because he's just kind of this hard-ass teacher. And as the movie goes on and he develops this bond with this student, so what happens is there are multiple students that get left behind over Christmas, so they're the holdovers. It's a boarding school. It's a boarding school, yeah. And then finally, the all of the boys except one, this one kid's rich dad comes and picks them up in a helicopter and takes them away. Well, so the one, it's just him and this one kid and the, the woman who is the head cook and they're the only people in the custodian. Right. Um, they're the only people who are left. And, you know, over t- as the movie goes on, you see a softer side of uh, Paul Giamatti's character and you see that, you know, he's not, He's not really a bad guy. Maybe a little elitist and a little pretentious. And, you know, he um, there's some funny scenes with like this really funny scene where they're in the, they go to a, a bowling alley, but it, they're they're doing a, what's it called? Duck pin bowling where they have the little the little tiny ball um, or candle pin bowling. I don't or remember. Candle, OK. And he's like sitting at the bar and there's a guy dressed as Santa Claus. And he's like, well, did you know that Santa, you know, your costume is actually not, you know, period specific. There's a drunk uh, Santa yeah, drunk talking Santa. with the bartender and they obviously know each other. And he pontificates <laughs> for a couple of, of minutes and they just turn and explains the yeah. history of how they Santa just, Claus. they just turn and look, but you know, he's so steeped in this, you know, he went to this boarding school and he's, lived among these you know just all these rich kids um so you know they but they do a you know as the movie goes on you find out that he's a caring human being and he cares about you know he cares about this kid he cares about the woman who is the um who's the head uh uh who's the head of the um not chef but yeah she's uh, the kitchen she's the head Yeah. yeah and she is um I don't know that I would immediately recognize her if I watched this with my sister and brother-in-law and they were like, before we even watched the movie, they said, oh, the detective or whatever she is from Only Murders in the Building is in it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, wow. and this is a very, she's a really tough character in that and she's she's kind of tough in this. But I think another thing that they do that is really great writing, so she's black and her son... Um, had had died in Vietnam was recently died I think and one of the things that I think that they do that's so great in this so it's 1970 we know there would have still been a lot of racial problems in the in the country and you you get the feeling that that's you know definitely and they she and the boy and Paul Giamatti travel to Boston and you know that there's probably some racial stuff simmering under the surface. Like there's one, he, he says to the boy, makes some comment about how her, her son was a student at the school as well. And he just kind of makes an offhand comment about him being treated differently than, than the other kids. And they don't, but I think in a, in a lesser movie, Again, they would have there would have been a scene where they would have been out somewhere and somebody would have used a racial slur or something, but they never do that. You know no. what I mean? They and I, I think do. that's I do just, know what you mean. Yeah, I, I think that's really just really, really good writing, you know. And, it, and throughout it's it's like that. I agree with you. I think that it does being a you know, a elite boys boarding school in new england in massachusetts i think because they go to yeah, boston yeah, I, I mean I, yeah. I guess it could be in it felt like massachusetts to me i, I don't know that they nailed it, it massachusetts down, but, yeah but um there's definitely it's set in 1970 there's definitely issues of race there's definitely issues of class absolutely yeah. that come into it neither of which are um you know, exactly like you say, there isn't a sort of a, you know, a jewel on a velvet pillow scene where it's like, oh, this is, you know, where we confront that particular nightmare of the age. Um, but it really does. It really does take those dynamics into account. And it's it's really again and again, more often about the thing that isn't said 
but that you can kind of feel one character or the other thinking, mm-hmm. but having the good taste and the class not to say, right? And I think that that's all very captured on screen, and it's done in a very believable way. I think that's great writing. I think that's great directing. Um, I do think it's interesting that you have... I was really fascinated by the issues of of mental health also because the the boy we it comes down to be kind of a three hander i mean the the um the uh, uh the janitor is there and is a part of it for sure, but we don't learn much about that character in his life. It's mostly about the head cook and the professor and the student excuse me um it turns out that the student's father is institutionalized in a, in a mental hospital. Um, and we learn a little bit about that, but that there was a sort of a period of decline and it wasn't until that his father had a violent episode that he was committed. And now of course it starts off. The mother is with, uh, has a new boyfriend or a new husband. And that's part of why he's being left. I guess a new husband because she says, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but, you know, we never got to have a proper honeymoon, so we're going to just have you stay at school so we can have this time together. And guess what? The kid doesn't like it. So at first, you think it's going to be divorce. That's the thing in the 70s now that was happening all the time, and that was the hot topic. And, of course, it is that, but it's 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 more profoundly personal to the to the boy. He's afraid that he's going to become his father he's afraid he's going to go crazy like his dad in addition to missing his dad and feeling maybe like his dad was treated unfairly and he needs to go and see it for himself so he he convinces the teacher to take him to the institution to visit his father and that's a pretty hard-hitting scene it's not um it it resists it resists a number of hollywood um cliches right Uh, the father is extremely sedated and hence extremely sedate right there's no big fireworks there's no big revelations it's just you get to watch this kid lay eyes on this real dad and i think at the end of it his dad says something paranoid like i think they're putting something in my food and it's understated and it's quiet but he sort of you know that what goes across the kid's face is left to the interpretation of the audience but what I took from that moment was, you know, I'm not even sure if he's been listening. I'm not even sure if he knows who I am, actually. Yeah. And there's a shift there to, oh, maybe they locked away my dad because he's difficult to, A, my dad is really insane. And B, am I going to become insane too? And that's a profound shift that happens over time, right? That's a realization that deepens. Um, and again, it's not ever made explicit and part of the, I think he has an exchange with Paul Giamatti where he says something skirting that, and we get a reaction shot from Paul Giamatti, which is all in his face that where that panic kind of drops. And he says, Hey, you're your own man. You know, you're not your dad. You're not your dad. And I'm not my dad. From, from the teacher's perspective, what's really interesting is this is a Harvard he guy went to this school went to Harvard and I guess got kicked out of Harvard for some elite shenanigans, plagiarism that the other guy turned around on him. Um, and he got, he was the one being plagiarized, but somehow he got hoodwinked and, and, and he got kicked out of school for being the cheater and sort of the sense you get from, um, Giamatti's dialogue talking about it is that he kind of fled back to the, the last place that was really felt comfortable for him and became the kind of unassailable, entrenched, you know, a teacher there, um, a tenured teacher there, and became a real hard ass, a real prick, really, about Mm -hmm. academic standards and excellence and sort of kids these days. And I think by the, we spoiled this, if you haven't figured that out already, folks. Um, I think by the end, his realization is kind of like, I've been avoiding living my life here. Like I came here because I felt safe. 
and I haven't tried to meet another woman. There's a colleague of his that's nice to him and, and like in sideways, there's a moment where he sort of has feelings for her. And then we see that she's not available and his heart breaks. But I mean, there's all these little chips in the ice where this character by the end, he falls on his sword for the kid. Um, and again, your typical Oscar bait would make a big fanfare out of that, but that's not really what happened in 70s movies. And so they have a goodbye where it's kind of like, you know, this is overdue. Like, I needed to get out of here. The guy who's my boss, the dean, was a student of mine. I've always thought he was a prick, you know? <laughs> and I'm not getting any younger, and I'm not really serving myself or anybody else by staying here. I have to go. I think he goes to travel the world. He's a professor of antiquities so he wants to kind of indiana jones it and go see greece and you know all these things he hasn't done and he's scared right and the kid is scared to to kind of go through another year with all of this new stuff and without this wingman that he's met over the you know not wingman but kind of the closest thing to a father figure he's got and that's where the movie ends you know and it left me wanting more of their story but it's a very you know, it feels very true to life. You know, that closing shot is just, you know, he leaves, they, they, they shake hands. You almost think like they're going to, you know, he, they're kind of both almost in tears and you think they might hug, but they do a, you know, firm handshake. And then he drives away, he stops at a stop sign, takes a swig of liquor. And then you just see him pull, you know, in the credit, very seventies, like credits go over. And, you know, you think about how, how many people do, you know, most of us, our lives don't just fall into place like a puzzle, you know, and you talked about the, um, that there is class distinctions in this film. You know, there's even, he's even subject to that. I mean, he's gone to this, this elite school and he went to Harvard, but like you say, he got kicked out. And so he's gone back, you know, probably kind of with his tail between his legs and he's just a teacher now. And there's the scene where they go to Boston and he runs into the guy. An old classmate. I don't think that's old... the same guy. I think that's just. That is the same guy. Thing. Yeah. Who was the one who essentially got him kicked out of Harvard. Oh, I didn't put that together. That was oh, yeah. the guy? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just a, a classmate who he I, didn't want I could want be wrong, to... but I thought he was, I thought he was the guy, uh... the guy that he, uh, but, but at any rate, he, uh, you know, he runs into the guy and his wife and what is, I believe he's teaching it. He's a professor at Harvard, I think. At, at any rate, he's like super successful. And there's a running thing throughout the film where, you know, Paul Giamatti and the, uh, and the students say that, I forget what the name of the school is, but whatever, men don't lie. And so, you know, he lies to this, this former, you know, right. peer of his, that all, you know, he doesn't want to say that he's gone back to school and teaching. He's traveling the world, right. you know, and, and teaching uh, at these. And, you know, then when they walk away, the kid is like, I thought we don't lie. And he's like, well, you know, yeah. and there's more than one scene where they lie for yeah. each other, essentially. There are moments um, like that throughout that feel. Um... And again, that's a thing that people do in real life. You know, how many people you run into, you know, maybe you run into somebody that yeah. you grew up with who is super successful. Yeah. And maybe you kind of. You say, hey, what are you doing? And he kind of fudge, you know, fudge it. what? Oh, know. very, very human impulse for sure. But there were there were scenes like that in the movie that feel like they're trying to be the movie I expected it to be, the more lighthearted coming of age dramedy where there's just an energy to them that's like, oh, I thought, you know, I don't remember the name of the school, Bartleby or Barton. Barton. Barton, I think it is. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Barton men don't lie, you know. And the kids kind of outraged, but and, and the professor's kind of like, right? And and that feels different to me than many of the other scenes that are shot as straight drama. I'm thinking the cook. They go to a holiday party, and the cook ends up by the record player playing um, songs she likes, and she's drunk and maudlin and there's a sort of a like they kind of go in to be like okay maybe we've had enough maybe we should get out of here right and it doesn't explode but she's there's a little bit of a like you know you get your damn hands off of me vibe 
and it's all played very understated. It's, you know, we've been in those situations where you're at a party or something and somebody's had too much to drink or somebody's really upset. And, you you know, you feel like, oh, this is uh, we don't want this is a grenade that's going to go off. Not. Nobody, nobody's going to get hurt, but, you know, it feels like a slice of life moment when feelings are running big in a situation where you're like, this isn't the appropriate time or place for that, but it's happening. And in the beginning of the movie has more of the like, I want to say kind of dead poet society. It's like staged. It just mm -hmm. feels more staged. Um, we're meeting the characters. There's elements of Giamatti's character. He's got a, they call him a walleye. He's got like um, I don't a lazy eye. A lazy eye, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure there's a <laughs> there's a medical term for that. You know? Yeah, I don't. I'm sorry if I'm using a. They say walleye in the movie. I don't know if that's an offensive term. I apologize if I've offended anybody. But um, and then he also have he has a condition that I can't remember the name the medical name of, but he smells like fish. Like I don't body. know if that was real or if they. Made there there that is up. a real condition. Okay. There is okay. a real condition where your body can't break down whatever that chemical is, and so you okay. just sort of excrete it mm -hmm. through your sweat and your skin and everything, and it, it's that sort of fish oil smell. Like if you have severe liver damage, mm -hmm. <laughs> your pee is going to smell like fish oil. Go see a doctor. Yeah. Um, but. Um, I just felt a little bit like, okay, so this guy is, he's a prick and he's got a funny eye and he smells funny and, you know, he's got a big chip on his shoulder. And once we got into the movie, I was thinking to myself, like, when they introduced the fishy smell thing, I, I was like, I don't, that, this character doesn't need that. Right. No, yeah. And the character doesn't need the funny eye either. They make, mm. they bring the eye up more. I think on paper it's it's supposed to make him seem unapproachable as a character, make him see like all the kids hate him and he's got these things that are easy to make fun of and et cetera, et cetera. Like old Mrs. Crabapple, right? She can't just be a normal looking person. She's gotta look scary and sound mm -hmm. scary and you know cats disappear in a yard you know what i mean it's like you you know there has to be like eight things yeah and and you go but but that's not you know it's not lemony snicket it's like you know the teacher you hate is just a prick there wasn't mm -hmm. anything you know maybe he had a mole on his face or something maybe but there weren't three things four things yeah it's true so, yeah. but i mean i think the movie is super effective as and i don't know what order they shot it in but it kind of relaxes out of that into being like, let's just tell the story of these characters and the real moment-to-moment -moment stuff. And the the other reason I like that is if you zoom out enough, this thing does have a kind of a Goodwill Hunting or Dead Poet Society arc to it. It's a coming-of-age story. As they they make some valuable realizations about their lives together, and they grow closer. And you certainly could have shot this in a more you know holiday movie kind of a sweet ending hopeful bittersweet but and they they didn't and that's one of the things i really like about this film is that it avoided that set of tropes mm -hmm. mostly i think you yeah. can still see it in there in a couple of scenes in that like well i thought barton man the way that the kid plays that fits like it's trying to meet a hollywood the hollywood trope of like mock outrage instead of any number of other things like just really dry being like, I guess I'm not the only liar at Barton or, you know, whatever. I kind of took it. I, I don't know if, I don't know if this was intentional, but I felt this way watching the movie, you know, that you have for kids. I come from a family of teachers, so I was used to being, been around teachers my whole life. So I definitely, you know, saw teachers outside of a teaching setting and yeah. saw them, you know, as humans. But, you know, I think we've all had that thing when we were a kid where you see your teacher out shopping or something like that, or at a movie or whatever. And it's like, Oh, they're a person, you know what I mean? Yeah. They exist out beyond this. And I, I felt like that was kind of, and, and I think it's, you know, now being, you know, in the adult way of looking at it is, you know, teachers and adults 
say things to kids to try, you know, that would be a very teacher or adult like thing to be like, Hey, we don't lie. That's not something that you do. Right. And then in real life, I always think of, uh, my, uh, I had an uncle, I have an uncle who went to Notre Dame and uh, got an engineering degree there. And he and my aunt always told their kids that he got straight A's at Notre Dame. And like for years, it was just, yeah, he got straight A's at Notre Dame. And my mom said something about that one time about uh, him getting straight A's. And he was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, you always told the kids that you got straight A's. And he goes, I didn't get straight A's. <laughs> He's like, we just said that to them, you know, so they would study hard. You know, he did well, I'm sure. But you know what I mean? It's that thing of it's, you know, you present something to children and real life is much more complex than right. that. The thing, yeah, you don't lie. Lying is bad. We should never lie. And then it's like, oh, you know, I got invited to this party and I don't really want to go. Ah, sorry, I'm sick, you know, or, or we, we don't lie. You know, you know what I mean? I and do. I, I, I don't know if that if they were trying to convey that in the but I thought it was very interesting that you, you know, you don't often you're as a kid. There wouldn't often been scenarios like this where you're going to spend several days with a teacher and see them as a real how they are as a real person yeah. and not just your teacher. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And it's interesting because it's not this kid's not 12. You know, he's yeah. a senior probably at this school and was held over a year. So he's 17 or 18. I guess he's not right. 18 yet because they don't let him drink. Yeah, they don't let him Which drink. Which in 1970 yeah. or something, I think the drinking age was 18. I don't think it changed until early 80s. Yeah, and he was, he's, he's a year He before. kept trying to drink and they wouldn't let yeah. him, you know. So um, all of that, all of that very interesting. Um, my favorite, again, my favorite part was just how technically true they were to the filmmaking um, preferences and, you know, and styles and the color is amazing and there's there's some shots of the set where they show a sink that I'm like, wow, some set designer just had a field day making this look like a 1970s sink. There's a scene with wallpaper, and my brother-in-law goes, I remember that wallpaper. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know if my it was in my parents' house or if it was in a doctor's office. He's yeah. like, I remember that specific wallpaper. Yeah. Well, um, it made me think a little bit of Wes Anderson – because it it did feel like a lot of that stuff was hand picked mm -hmm. and carefully researched, but um, in a Wes Anderson film, part of it it all feels like it's in a jewel case somehow. It all you never feel like, like you're in a real world. No, you that. feel like yeah. you're in a you're in a dollhouse that mm -hmm. Wes Anderson built, you know, and and collected all of this stuff and put it together, and it's in the shot because he loves that thing, and so in some ways you know, the mounted deer head and the, you know, the reef and all of these things are things he loves. Sometimes they get their own cutaway to show you all the things in the room. And other times they're all of kind of equal, you know, weight in the space. This is, this does not do that. I think this has a couple of shots where it leans really heavy into like, we got to show you the sink because this is just too good not to highlight. But for mm -hmm. the most part, it's literally the wallpaper is just the paper that's on the wall in that room. And if you stop and look for it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's all that's accurate. Or like we talk about the cars, not every single car is a 1969 whatever. You know, it's like I think his car is a piece of junk and it's probably a he has to get in 10 on or 12 side. year old car. Yeah, it doesn't work. Time, right. He's yeah. driving. So that wouldn't be a you know, that would have been a car from the late 50s or 60s but and it's just not it's just not like every single thing has the timestamp on it it feels like a real it feels like a slice of life there was one scene where so we were watching it and it wasn't like i was watching for this but and we were watching it we watched it at my sister's house and they have like a 75 inch i think a 75 inch tv and there's one of the one scene where they're driving to boston and they're driving down a street and in the background you can see there are three cars and one of them is a honda crv and like two other like and i was like look there's new cars there yeah and they didn't catch it they're like oh rewind it back and i was like it's at the top and that yeah. was the only time it was yeah. that was the only time in the in the movie where um 
it broke the illusion for me for just, I mean, just a split second. And yeah. I wonder if that was one of those force for the trees thing where like they had looked at it so many times that they didn't even catch it themselves. You know, they, they probably didn't catch it at the time of shooting. And the question you have is, I don't know if they would have had the budget to digitally remove it. Or you that's know? not what you want to spend the budget on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you go, well, we caught a continuity error and the people with the checkbook looked at it and are like, that's fine. We're yeah. not going to Greek that out or we're not going to. That was the only time or anything, you know, you caught it when you shot it. But you're like, I really love that take. We'll just frame. We'll just frame that out if we need to. And mm -hmm. then you you look at it framed out and you go, I don't like I don't like it being that tight on these two guys. Right. So then you just go, you know what? If they're looking at the car, then they're not paying attention to the performance. It's we very start. in the background. Yeah. I mean, like I say, it, you know. Yeah. I mean, you I see that when you shoot down it. the Cotswolds or something like that. And there's a road in the distance and there's a contemporary card supposed to be a swords and sorcery thing. And, a, you know, a little Cooper Mini goes by or something like yeah. way off of the, one of those little roads. <laughs> And you're like, oh, we've got 200 people on horseback here. We can't. <laughs> if we reshoot this, it's $100,000. Like, what did you think? Uh, I thought that, so I guess the the kid, because in the IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes thing, they said newcomer. So I guess this is his first movie. I don't know. I thought he looked like he stepped right out of the 70s. I mean, they, he just had. And, you know, yeah. you always you see these kids like in an interview and it was and obviously like I'm sure his hair looks different than that. But I mean, he just seemed spot on a kid from a 70s movie. Yeah, I thought, I it thought was he a, was really great. I thought it was a terrific performance. Um, <clears throat> yeah, a little unkempt spray of acne, you know, insecurity right below the surface, like kind of a kleptomaniac steals the other guy's cigarettes. That's the first time we meet him. And. Um, or steals his porn or something. I don't remember what he, there was a nudie magazine or cigarettes or something. I can't remember what he stole, mm -hmm. but yeah, I just thought a, a terrific performance. And, and in some ways you don't have the burden of, um, whatever the last thing you did that maybe you're famous for people seeing you as that other character. I don't think he's going to suffer that problem. I think whatever he goes on to do next you change the hair and, you know, you change the wardrobe and everything. I think one of the things that's successful about this performance is I don't know that I could pick him out of a lineup right now. You know, <laughs> that wasn't really the point. The point was, you know, during the movie, I thought it was riveting, but it wasn't about him being the best looking guy in school or really wasn't about his looks at all. So from one angle, he's just this sort of forgettable kid, you know, bright, but kind of a squeaky wheel. But, you know, been kicked out of three schools, they said. Yeah, yeah. Acting up. And then, you know, just on that note, the other thing I love about this is we do we end up in a room with the headmaster and the kid's mother and stepfather. Uh, kids not in the room, but it's a sort of a disciplinary hearing. So we get to meet the mom, right? The, the, these boogeymen that left him at the school. And that could have been played with a very heavy hand. Yeah, they're just people, too. They're just people. You know, and and she seemed I mean, you could say that sort of really sucks to leave your kid at school over the holidays um, like that. But she didn't come off as an evil person. I mean, I think she she was directed to be and performed a woman who was in love with her husband. And this mental illness thing really came out of left field. She said, you know, we had a really we had a really hard time finding the place where he is. And now I got to move him again. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can hear the kind of trauma in that. And she's found this new guy. She's afraid that this baggage with the crazy ex-husband and the possibly, you know, the problematic son, they're going to send him to military school. And it's as much as like, we just can't deal with this ongoing thing as I want to get, on with my life like i'm still a relatively young person and i deserve happiness and i want to chase that right i'm not defending the mother character on for its own sake i just she's portrayed as somebody very human that has human Even, failings and human desires and isn't coming from a like a evil stepmother you know and even the uh the headmaster could right. have been a cartoony 
you know, in the beginning, at the very beginning of the movie, we meet him and he's upset with Paul Giamatti because he has flunked a kid who I think his dad's a senator. And he was and he's just like, well, I don't care who he is. You know, he's right. he didn't do the work or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, this guy's he's his dad's a senator. He's sort of like, can you give me a break? He's like, I get it. You know, it's not right. But, you know, we and again, it's kind of that thing of having to play within the realities of what real life is. Yeah. And yeah, you want to, you know, uh, presumably the headmaster is not a bad guy. He would like he's sort of on his side that's like yeah you shouldn't pass a kid just because he's but it's like we have to keep this place running you know but from paul giamatti's character perspective he literally says to him as he's leaving is like you all uh, you always have been and always will be you know penis cancer yeah that was human form (laughs) so what you end up what you end up is that you you realize that paul giamatti's character hate hate hates this guy and thinks he is human scum but we see him in two or three scenes and while you know he does have he argues for like look i understand we have to have standards and we can't compromise it but it's also this is the real world and this is the politics of higher education and our money doesn't come from heaven it comes from donors and you know, at least try and meet me halfway. You could have given him a D minus like we could, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Paul Giamatti sort of stands on principle, mostly because he doesn't like this guy. But we don't get to see what he detests so much, mm-hmm. because while this guy is sort of a typical whatever in the scenes we see him in, he seems pretty even keel. He seems yeah. quite patient with Paul Giamatti's brick- yeah. brickliness, <laughs> you know. And it doesn't come off as pity or, uh, you know, condescension or any of that that you see in these other movies where it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do it my way or the highway, right? I mean, in the 80s, these rich, powerful characters were played both as buffoons and utterly ethically bereft, mm-hmm. right? They were almost sociopathic in their sanctimonious, self-righteous, self-confidence, and disdain for anybody that didn't have, you know, the success that they had. Right. And, and I think that we grew up watching that. I think that has always colored my, my sure. for a while, it colored my worldview. I'm like, oh, that's what principles are like. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 not really. And you get the, uh, they do kind of get the Hollywood moment there where when he walks out, and it's a really funny line because literally as he's going out the the door you know he says you've always been and will always be or whatever penis cancer and that's one of the that's a very hollywood thing where it's like oh the you, zinger you, you <laughs> get fired or you quit a job and you hate your boss and on the way out you want to have the perfect yeah. one-liner yeah. and there's no rebuttal you just walk out the door yeah. Yeah. so they get that kind of hollywood moment there you know and it lands it you know it's one of the funniest lines in the movie um but yeah yeah I, you know, I respect Paul Giamatti. Um, uh, his style, he, he's, uh, I don't want to just hate on Paul Giamatti. It's just like he's almost, I talk about you, the, one of the strengths of being a, an introduced, this kid's a good actor, right? But this is his first thing, so he gets to kind of just be whomever he wants to be in this film maybe he's trans maybe he's australian or british i don't know i mean maybe it's it's utterly transformational we wouldn't Mm -hmm. know because we've never seen him anything before paul giamatti now is just always paul giamatti and i i don't i don't i think he's a terrific actor um he's kind of funny looking and he has a sort of a manner and he's kind of always doing himself um I found it a little bit distracting. I mean, I just saw, I didn't see, I don't couldn't even tell you what the character's name is, but I, I just always saw Paul Giamatti all the way through, and I don't think a funny eye or funny mannerisms change that. I don't know. That's not necessarily a criticism, but. There is, a, there's an HBO show called 30 Coins. It's Spanish. And um, it, it's in the second season. It's a really good show, but. Uh, it is it's a horror show and it's spanish language um and it's almost entirely a spanish cast but paul giamatti is in the second season Uh 
and he is this what and what the show is about it's the 30 coins that judas sold christ for oh and they basically have it's almost they're not cursed. exactly but yeah they're cursed and they have they have magical powers so it's basically all these different factions of people trying to get it uh to get these coins because they have all these powers. so it's a little bit sort of an indiana jones almost like but it's a horror thing and paul giamatti is this wealthy uh uh, like self-help guru writer guy who's made all this money and he has some of these coins and he's trying to get more of them, you know, because the more you have, the more power. Uh, and he is very, very evil and scary in this show. So it's a really different performance. Oh, I'd, like for, check, so it's, I'd like to check that out. It's a cool show. It's on HBO. It's on Max. It's very, I think maybe you would enjoy it. It's really, um, it's super wild. Uh, I, I don't really know exactly how to, to describe it, but it's but he doesn't come in until the second season. But it's a it's a crazy show. I mean, they really go. It has kind of an X Files vibe to it, like sort of starting out. But then it, a lot of it is this, like the Vatican involved, and there's like evil, you know, priests yeah. and all this stuff. It's it's a fun show. Well, I, it sounds I, more like the Da Vinci Code, maybe than Indiana sort of, Jones. but it. But it's a full-on, I mean, there's monsters in it and things. So, oh, wow. you know, there's, it's all kinds of supernatural. It's a really cool show. Um, but but Paul Giamatti doesn't come in until the second season. And like I say, I think you would look at him and it, now he's he's chewing up the scenery in this, but he's super evil and, you astound and me, scary. Sir. What's that? I said, you astound me, sir. To yeah, hear that yeah. He's chewing the, I mean, so, that's it, one of the things I love about Paul Giamatti is he really mm-hmm. sinks his teeth in. I, I, there was a miniseries on HBO called... Uh, John Adams that he was in with Laura mm-hmm. Linney, which I think is terrific. It's a great historical drama um, uh, miniseries. I think there's just one season, and maybe there's two seasons. I don't know, but it it you know it's a finite thing, and he's wonderful in it. Um, and he's not doing nebbishy, you know, whatever New York Paul Giamatti. It, he's really portraying john adams but it's still that dude and the voice and the mannerisms are are there i don't even know why i bring it up i just found it a little distracting in this because it felt like he kind of leaned into that and it's great but it i saw the star i guess is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i was thinking about so he he has already won a golden globe for this and is in his i don't think the oscar nominations have come out yet but they're He's probably going to be nominated for this, and and Alexander Payne will be nominated for director, and will be nominated for best picture. And you know the 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 Golden Globes do kind of a cake and eat it too kind of a thing where they have separate comedy and drama drama yeah. uh, categories, you know, which the Oscars don't do. And on the one hand, I I think I would prefer that it's just it's the best actor, you know, whatever the the genre is but on the other hand the you know it's not often that they that they seem to be into comedic performances with the oscars you know you look at like a lot of old films like 40s 50s and 60s there were a lot of comedic performances that that won and comedy films but you know today the oscars seem to be it's drama with a capital d you know you you i'm sure killian murphy is probably the odds on favorite you know to win to win uh, best actor, but I, I think you know, um, uh, I, I mean, I really like it, uh, Giamatti's performance in this. Do you, have you seen Oppenheimer yet? Mm-mm. I know yeah. we talked about it the other day. Yeah. But... It's, I mean, I don't like seeing a thing that had Barbie's another example. I don't like seeing a movie after it's already had such a big all the hype forum, yeah, hype and and just. Because that poisons my mind for and your expectations uh, yeah, are so high. Well, yeah, and they're they're high and they're not always calibrated right. And then the 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 feeling of that isn't what I expected. You know, that doesn't meet the expectations I had. Is a disappointing feeling. Um, but uh, but it is good. It's funny because it's a it's a well directed film and well executed film. Um, and it's more exciting than I had the thought near that's the end. That's what you're that telling I'm like, me. like kind of dull. This is a kind of a boring, wordy script on paper. Like we all know what happened, um, but they managed to make it. And it's a three-hour movie, so 
uh, you know, Nolan manages to make it feel like a thriller. I'm like it, other than a literal bomb, two bombs going off, it's not really a thriller. It's a historical drama, you know? Yeah. But definitely worth checking out. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. Um, we're on the socials here. Maybe you're watching us on the socials or socials. Or um, anyway, thanks for joining us. We're on YouTube. We're on your favorite podcast app. Like and subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. Um, really, we ought to be saying this at the beginning. Aren't we supposed to say this stuff? Yeah, at the I beginning? was thinking. Well, yeah, we might want to start to. Maybe next now time that we'll you've listened to us for before. an hour. <laughs> How's here? So I, I guess you found us. We only, yeah, just... we only want the people who stick it all all the way through. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so it sounds to me like you would. Rec- I would recommend this. Would you recommend this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I'm to just be a little nitpicky. I mean, it's two hours and thirteen minutes. I think there was yeah. definitely a point where watching the movie, we kind of took a bathroom break and we paused it. And it was like, and it seemed kind of like it was wrapping up. And I was like, oh, there's another hour of this. But yeah. I I can't really. I don't really know what I would cut from this. I don't know that there was anything that was really like ah that part kind of you know it it all gels well together so i don't i don't really know yeah or and it but it definitely as you said you know it definitely has that that slower uh 70s feeling to it um so which i wonder younger audiences how that would play for them yeah i don't know that would be highly recommend that would be interesting to ask a younger audience i mean i think part of the part of the nostalgia payoff for you and me is the familiar, you know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a recognition of some of that stuff um, where you're like, Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Whereas newer audiences might be like, why is it so slow? <laughs> you know, why is the color so weird? Yeah. Um, who knows? I guess if, if only we could ask somebody, even, you know, but that, that can't, we don't know. It can't be yet. possible. <laughs> <laughs> That would require work, <laughs> right? Um, all right. Do you have any? Do you have any um, thoughts on on what we should do next time? So I had su- suggested to you maybe a week or so ago this Netflix movie that I think it was t- 2015. I'm going to bring it up here on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is called "I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore." Oh yeah, that looks and crazy. Have you seen it? Nope. I but oh. you you mentioned it to me and I did go and watch the you watch the trailer the blurb for it and it looks crazy. Yeah, so and it is um so it stars uh Melanie Linsky which if you don't know your her name I think you would definitely recognize her and then Elijah Wood and there are you know some other actors in it and then it was directed by Macon Blair who um do you remember we did this? I'm going to say this was probably 2021 uh, Blue Ruin, that uh, revenge movie. Yes. Where, so the guy who stars in that, he directed this movie. Nice. And he just has a like a bit part in it. Um, so it has I don't want to say too much because I I don't want to I don't want to spoil any of it for you. But it has that dark feeling of Blue Ruin, but it's funny also. I mean, it's darkly darkly comedic yeah it's right there on on netflix so i if you would be interested in watching that i got um, that vibe and i also was reading um so sundance premiered the um the neo-noir um love lies bleeding that was called yeah i was just reading some stuff about that today and i can't wait for that i can't wait for that that looks so great and so you know electric it looks really bonkers um and i think an opportunity for kristen stewart to really shine like kristen stewart has done some interesting work as her career has continued to unfold and i I think think, she's great um this looks like it's going to be a great addition to her uh, cinematic resume um so I, I you know that premiered to acclaim i think i read a review in variety that raved basically was like this movie's really great so you know we'll be seeing that sometime this year i think yeah i hope that plays wide just based on her you know name i don't know if it will or not but yeah 
because that's something I'd like to see that in the theater. Yeah. But I don't feel at home in the world any in this world anymore. Uh, so Macon Blair, the director of it, also directed, and I think I've sent you the the uh, trailer for this, but he directed, um, or has directed, it's, it's not released yet, but this remake of The Toxic Avenger that oh. looks, did we, did we, did I not send you the trailer? I don't remember. Send it to me again, or I'll I look will. it up. So, and we've talked about this before, like I've never really cared much about Troma, and I think you're sort of I've in the same I've never even boat. seen the original. That's how little yeah, I I've really s- care about but it. But it's... So it's him directing it, and Elijah Wood is in that. I think Elijah Wood plays the main bad guy or one it's of the so bad funny, guys. It's so funny because I just watched Lord of the Rings with Nova. So I, like, I've got oh, – okay. And we were talking about e- emo Frodo. Like when the ring yeah. starts to affect Frodo, he gets uh, like – Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like emo Frodo. And she <laughs> laughed. She's like, I don't either. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with happy Frodo or with friendly for sweet Frodo, but emo Frodo <laughs> bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so so Macon Blair is the director of that and it it I'll send you the trailer but it it seems re- it's really intriguing because it's like you take this really low budget property you know concept and yeah. and it's a bigger budget I mean they're still trying to I think they're kind of like trying to purposely make it look yeah. kind of cheap yeah but but these guys do good movies so it's I'm 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 really curious as to how the and yeah. uh the Toxic Avenger is um uh, the from uh, uh, from Game of Thrones. Um, there um, are many, many people. I know, but uh, John Snow, like uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Ned Stark. No, give me one, just one second. Uh, I'll just look it up. Everybody's listening to us type. Peter Dinklage. Oh, so Peter Dinklage oh, yeah. is the, is the okay. Toxic Avenger. Um, That's which, hilarious. Yeah, which is hilarious. So it's I'll send you the trailer. I'm I'm it's definitely one I'm super intrigued about because it just seems like such a bizarre. Yeah, just a bizarre. But I mean, I think it's fairly, you know, it's not like they did it for a million bucks or something. I mean, I think it's a legitimate budget. No, but um, I like I like I make, that makes me think of. Um, but again, here's Elijah Wood again. Is uh, or no, no, that was Harry Potter. <laughs> um, was uh, the weird the weird Al Yankovic story, like how Gonzo I mean, that was. Like it was a send up of Hollywood, and it was, but it got so meta and so inverted. Like the scene I'm thinking of. I mean, the pool scene where he does another one rides the bus is. The, my favorite scene in the movie, uh, but with all those cameos and everything. But uh, there's a scene in which he is wearing Michael Jackson's uh, leather jacket, basically, and he's furious because it, within the movie, the premise is that he wrote fat. <laughs> yeah, and he's, <laughs> and he's like, I finally write an original piece, you know, and this guy, he doesn't need to knock off my songs. <laughs> like, <it's this> though. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jackson was having a hit with bad. <laughs> that fat came first <laughs> and it's played straight like yeah. it's like he uh oh, weird yeah. al in the film yeah. is furious that <laughs> and i love you know with both of those guys with elijah wood and um uh daniel radcliffe their careers are kind of similar because they were both child stars yeah and starred in gigantic franchises and now apparently have enough money that they could just do whatever they want. And they do the, and they could, you know, like uh, there have been some rumors with uh, Daniel Radcliffe that, um, you know, whenever they reboot Wolverine, that like he would be Wolverine. And he said, like, he's like, I don't look anything like Hugh Jackman, you know? And, uh, but he's like, it's flattering that people think that I could play, uh, Wolverine, and he was also considered for the Moon Knight show, and yeah. he basically has said, "I did one giant franchise. I don't want to be locked into another one." Right, and yeah, I, right. that's so cool. I think that it's just he's just going to do whatever he thinks yeah. is interesting. And the same thing with Elijah Wood, yeah. you know. And they just they, do these they make weird. Good, it is weird, but they whether or not they get big box offices or big even audiences. Make, I mean, they're making money. They're you critically know. acclaimed. I think yeah. what's nice about them is you know. You've got to be Tom Hanks big or Will Smith big in Hollywood to have a studio feel like just having you attached to it will guarantee that the movie opens. 
Mm-hmm. And with that is a kind of power in Hollywood wielded by very few people. Um, but if you're Daniel Radcliffe, just being attached to a project probably is enough to get it funded. Whether you mm-hmm. have to crowdsource it or whatever, like people are going to want to see you're a household name. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there is a power to that in terms of being someone who's got the mindset of an independent filmmaker that's like, I want to do interesting stuff that's really a passion project and feels fun to do and feels really different and offbeat and maybe a little risky, maybe a little experimental. Um, he's in an amazing place because he was Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. And I mean, unless he was foolish with his money, I think he's set for life. I don't think, no, I think he's you pretty know. conservative in terms of, you know, I don't, I don't think he's the guy who's going and like buying Ferraris and stuff, you know, and the same with Elijah Wood, I think. I think they're both pretty normal yeah. guys. I don't know about Daniel Radcliffe, but Elijah Wood has his own production company. Mm. Um, I know he's tried, one of the things famously, he's tried to get the rights to um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Because I guess he has like a pitch for something that he would want to do, you know, with that. But, and of course there's it, you know, they're confused for each other so much. And I've heard in interviews where they'll like sign autographs as the other guy, you know, but you, there has to have been talk of trying to get them into a movie together, you know, which would be a lot of fun. It would be, they could play brothers. brothers, Yeah. They could play brothers for sure. Um, Yeah. Um. but yeah, is that one cool for next time? I uh, think so. I, yeah, I, I'm excited to feel, watch that. I'll watch that wondering. one of these one of these evenings. Um, I think it'll be an interesting conversation. It um, the tone of it, just watching the trailer, the tone of it seems very interesting to me. It's got a little of that Coen Brothers kind of feel because yeah. it's you know they've done so much stuff that is bumbling criminals and this is that yeah. kind of thing. Which I know I've but texted still you dangerous. about. It. Like they, still they dangerous, really yeah. managed to thread that needle where the 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 criminals can seem disorganized, uh, bumbling, even ridiculous, but the violence feels real and scary. And they managed to wed those things together. Rachel hates it. She doesn't like the violence. Yeah. Um, she feels like it's a little bit of a bait and switch. Like you, you know, oh, look at these buffoons. And then they really hurt someone. And that's upsetting. And more, yeah. made more upsetting this because you feel mulled into without... it. And I don't feel like it's that. I think that it's uh, whether or not they consciously have this thesis. To me, what I love about their movies is that it underlines the, the absurdity of violence itself that that it's just a horrible waste right and i don't think they're oh, yeah. peaceniks or whatever they but i think that they do want to highlight the absurdity of violence and when you're in a violent situation how otherworldly and how just strange and unreal it feels you know mm-hmm. i think they managed to capture that really well and very much along that line even though it's the, it's there uh, original creation even though i don't think they really have much too much to do with it now i know i've texted you briefly about this the new season of fargo is fantastic yes you have um you have said that a couple of times and it's definitely violent so i don't know that rachel would enjoy it but it's 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 still you know it's very much that tone of the movie and i don't know if you've watched any of the other seasons but but season by season is a different story right different yeah completely different Completely different actors. I mean, I don't know if they reuse any of the same people or not, but it's different actors, completely different story. It's the same showrunner every all, time. All set I in believe. Fargo. Each story is another thing. Well, not exactly. I mean, it's sort of in this one's kind of in and around there, but it's not exactly Fargo. But man, I mean, just I would be surprised if you don't love it. I mean, it, this I, I would you know you could just watch this new season and yeah. then you can go back and watch the other yeah. ones. One of the I've, not dependent. I've, one's not dependent. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I've not seen. I've only seen the first season, and that one's really good. But there's one season is Ewan McGregor and he plays twins. Um, that is, but but I mean, this one is just. I mean, production, writing, acting. I mean, it's just it's just great i mean it's one of the best i've heard the best things i've seen on tv i've heard people compare it to uh better call saul and yeah breaking bad they're like if you liked those shows you're gonna love you're doing yourself a disservice by not yeah this fargo and there's three seasons of it now right i think it's 
This is the fourth or oh. fifth. Oh. Um, yeah. Right. Um, and they they play around with time frames. This one is modern day, but the one prior to this was in the, which I've not seen, is in the 40s or 50s. And Chris Rock is the star of that one. But it has Jason Schwartzman in it. Huh. And, you know, I get the this newest season is John Hamm. Um, he's this like evil sheriff guy in it. I mean, he's real, real bad and scary. You know, I mean, it's, you would love it. It's awesome. I All mean, right. this newest, I haven't finished yet. Cause they, they just released the last episode, I think this, this week. And I'm a, I'm a couple episodes behind, but I mean, I watched and I'm not a big, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm not a big binger. And I think I watched four hour four episodes the first night you know it's like four hours they just sat there and just it's like oh, i'm gonna watch another one and, you know that thing where you stay yeah, up I do. till I do. one o'clock in the morning or i whatever. can't so, handle yeah. that anymore like i have no. stuff i have to do in the mornings <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's like it ruins me but but yeah i feel i do still fall prey to it from time to time high 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 recommendation and also that 30 coins i think you would i mean it's it's wild but i and it's really high production values too um but uh a really that's a really interesting show so all right we are at time so unless you have anything else you want to add i think I that we covered a lot we'll call it and we're going to watch um i don't feel at home in this world anymore for next time join yes. us on that and that's on netflix it is on netflix nice. yes so if you have that subscription. They, I, I don't i presume they haven't taken it off it's a netflix you know it's, it was made for netflix yeah so um then chris and i will talk to you all next week.